if you grabbed a bulletin this morning, you know we're heading into a new sermon series. We're going to take a pause from our uh, revival series that we started all the way back in April, but we're not done praying for revival. We will pray every day for revival until God does that among us, but I felt like it was time to take a look into Scripture to see what it says about the church. Now, a lot of people got super excited about this sermon series when they saw the sermon notes that popped in. Uh, I don't know where this came from. This is a tool of the devil. Uh, I've got more to say than will fit on that one little itty-bitty page. So uh, if, if you got just one, borrow your neighbors, all right? You're going to need four or five of these things, all right? We're going to dig in because Scripture has a lot to say about what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to talk to you about what the church is all about, what the Bible teaches about the church. Now, I want to say the words, the church, those two words bring up all kinds of different emotions and responses and reactions. For some, when you say the church, it's extremely positive. For example, I didn't grow up in church. I grew up at the lake. Uh, I didn't go to church, didn't know anything about the church. I knew that there were churches, but I wasn't a part of a church. I was at the lake all the time. And I'll tell you, I don't take for granted what I get to experience now that I have the church. Some of you have grown up in church all your life. Some of you are third, fourth, fifth generation. And, and I'm afraid that familiarity can breed contempt, that we can take for granted something that is so incredibly special. Today, when you mention the word the church, there are some people who get all kinds of excited and and they were excited just to get up today and to be here, like the purple shirts. So the purple shirts excited to be in church today. That was risky. I thought you might already be asleep catching up from a week at the creek, all right? And please tell me you washed the t-shirts before you came today. Are you right? We're washed? Very good. That scares me also, all right? They were excited to get here. They've experienced church this week. And it wasn't at PCBC. It was down at camp. It was at the creek. There are others that some of you had to get drugged to church this morning to get here. I'm not saying they dropped something in your drink. I'm saying they literally drug you out of bed and drug you to church. I get that. There was a mom who had this problem every Sunday with her son. Maybe you've heard the story. It was pretty tough. Uh, every time it got to Sunday morning, it was always difficult to get her son up. And so sure enough, her son was sleeping, again in, sleeping in again last week. And she walked in his room and said, son, you got to get up. It's time for church. The son rolled over and he told his mom, I'm not going. Now I'll tell you three reasons why I'm not going. I don't like the people. The people don't like me. And I'm telling you, third reason, I'm simply not going. His mom being the spirit-filled mother, thank you for spirit-filled moms in the room. God bless your ability to help your rebellious children. She spoke into his life and she said, well, I'll tell you one thing, son. You are going to church. I'll give you three reasons. Number one, the reason you're going to go is because you're a Christian, and Christians should be a part of church. Second reason, you're 42 years old. Get up. <laughs> Third reason, and you're the pastor of the church. Get up and get down there to that church and do your job. Now, I get it. Not everybody, by the way, that's not me. I'm not 42, all right? Uh, and I am excited to be here. I didn't have to, I woke up early getting ready. I was excited to get to look into scripture about the church. Now, that may sound like a boring topic to you, but let me tell you how relevant that topic is. You see, I want you to hear a statement. Satan will always try to redefine what God has designed. Did you hear what I just said? Satan will spend all of his energy and has always spent his energy trying to redefine what God has designed. 
For example, Scripture tells us that God designed the family. He designed marriage to be between one man and one woman. Well, Satan, as you look out, has clearly, cleverly tried to redefine that holy design. God is our creator, Scripture tells us. And the Bible says he created us male and female. God clearly created his holy design, and Satan is doing everything in his power to confuse this generation and to try to redefine that holy design. We can look at other things like the word ministry. You look at that word ministry, the Bible says God has given us, us, the ministry of reconciliation. And yet Satan over the years has redefined that word minister to be somebody who stands up here on a stage behind a pulpit and preaches from God's word or one of the staff of a church. There are ministers. Wrong. If you know Christ, you are the ministers. We're simply pastors to the ministers. But those words have been redefined. And what about the word church? When we think about the word church today, I think we've allowed the enemy to redefine what the church is. We're going to dig into God's word and we're going to be reminded of what the church is and what we need to understand about the church. How's he redefined it? Over the years, he's made the church a building. He's made a church a place you go on Sunday morning, something you attend, and that's never what God designed. When you go back into scripture, you won't hear the church talking about themselves as the church or going to church. You'll hear them talking in a whole different way. And here's the problem for this generation. We are more familiar with the church's fried chicken than we are the church's mission and God's definition of it. So I want to take you into Scripture, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and let's take a look at the church in Scripture. Not what's in your head, not what's in our culture, not what has been defined as the church, but what the Bible says about the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about the marriage relationship between a man and a woman and then equates that to the definition that we need to see of the church. Wayne Grudem in his book, Systematic Theology, said that the church is the community of all true believers for all time. That would be what we call the big C, the big church. If you look at the slide here, you can see our sermon series has the big C and then the little C inside. The big C is what we're going to see in Ephesians 5. We're going to talk about the little C in just a little while. Look at Ephesians 5. It says, husbands, love your wives. How? Just as Christ also loved the church. Paul was speaking to believers at the church, little c, that would be a congregation of believers. He was speaking to them and equipping them in how to be the followers of Christ they were supposed to be. And so he's addressing the men in this little c, this little church in Ephesus. And he tells the men, men, you're to love your wives. But then he shows them how to love their wives. And he says, you love them the way that Christ loves who? The church. Now, are you telling me that Christ loved the brick and mortar called PCBC, this building that was erected right here at 112th and Rockwell? No. The church is not a building. The church is not something you go to or something you do. The church is a community of true believers for all times, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And so Paul draws this analogy. The way that a man is to love a woman, a 
solely devoted one flesh relationship is exactly supposed to look like the way Christ loves you, the church. You see, the church is you and me. Those who know Christ, we are his bride, the Bible says. That's the church. The church are the people of God that God has redeemed. We're going to break up that word church in just a little while. So we see in Ephesians 5, 25, Christ has a love for you. It is the church, not a building, it's people. Now, as we look at this, you'll hear people today throughout all of culture slamming the church. Oh man, the church in America is messed up. Oh man, I got burned by that church. When you slam the church, you're actually slamming yourself if you know Christ because you are the church. Now, I get it. We've all been in places. We've been in little seas. We've been in in a congregation, a community of believers where we've been maybe hurt or disappointed. I understand the the reality of that, but let's be careful that we don't let Satan redefine what the church is. The church are those who are being redeemed by God, perfected by God, and being changed for all time. So we take a look at this. We find this parallel. It's to be a, a love relationship. Just like a man and a woman would have in marriage, it is to be a love relationship with your Savior, the one who died for your sins. It's an exclusive love. It's a personal love. It is an eternal love. Now, the word church here in Ephesians 5 is the word ecclesia. That word may sound like a crazy Greek word, but it's made up from two words. The first part, ek, means to be out from, and then kaleo, which is where they get ecclesia, is to be called. So what the church is, it's the called out ones. The ones who've been called out of their sin and called out of the world and called to Christ. I told you I didn't grow up in the church. I'm talking about the community of faith. I'm not talking about I didn't grow up in a brick building somewhere. I didn't grow up in the church. I wasn't a part of the community of faith. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know what the church was. So I went to the lake. I've come to understand now the church is something special. And that word church maybe has gotten tainted for you in times past, but let's remind ourselves what the church really is. The church are those that God himself, a holy God, has called out. He called out many of you at Falls Creek this week. He's called many of you in this room at some point in your life, and he called you out of your dead life into a new life. That is the church. But there are a lot of people that don't see it that way, so... Look at Ephesians chapter 1 now. Go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. If you know anything about the book of Ephesians, Paul was writing to believers to a little sea in a community called Ephesus. I actually had the privilege of going on a mission trip into Turkey and, and walking among the ruins of Ephesus. It's amazing. It's overwhelming what happened in that community. And he writes now as the gospel was spreading in this community, and there was now a church birth. I'm not talking about a brick building. Matter of fact, you don't find one there. You find that they met from home to home to home, but they were the church at Ephesus. And he prayed for them. And I want you to see how he prayed for the church. Look at it. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you will also know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Look at the first thing he prayed for. 
He prayed for them to be able to see. But notice how we see. He didn't pray for their physical eyes. He prayed for the eyes of their heart. You see, it's the heart, not the blood-pumping organ, but this word that's translated heart speaks of that part where Christ comes to live in us by faith. It's Christ in us. It's, it's in our heart that we need to see reality, not with these eyes, not what we see on the outside, not what we see when we show up at a church and we see the people and we see the steeple, but that we see deeper than that. And we see, and he said, I'm praying that your heart, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. That word enlightened speaks of the reality of not being cloaked in darkness, but instead being able to see bright in light. little secret for the purple shirts. When you get older like us, some of us in the room, uh, you need more light on in the room to be able to see what you see on your page. You guys can see in total darkness. It blows me away. Uh, they can be in their bedroom at night, not a light on, and man, they, they see everything. I got to have spotlights. I got to have strobes going. I got to have as much light as I can just to see anything at all. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, may God give you more light because the darkness of the enemy wants to redefine what God has designed. So what is it they needed to see? What are some things he was praying for them to be able to see more clearly? Look at verse 19. Actually, go back up to verse 18. I'm sorry. Stay with 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so you'll know what is the hope of his calling. Underline that. The hope of his calling. Even as you were watching the video and you were hearing the testimony, What's the week at camp going to be like? What are you looking forward to? They came to understand the hope of God's calling on their lives. Remember what the definition of the church is? It's the called ones. The ones who've been called out of sin and been called to a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul is saying, listen, I'm praying that you'll get it and that you'll understand what God is doing in your life what God is doing in your congregation as you congregate together, that you would see more clearly the hope of what it means to be called out. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? Those who are the saints. The church gets trashed on way too easily in America today. And clearly we've made mistakes as the body of Christ. But be careful that you don't let Satan redefine what God designed to be his bride. Don't trash on my wife. Don't trash on my kids. And yet we so easily do that with God's bride and about his kids. I've had to repent about that, quite frankly. It's too easy to take a cheap shot. I want to make sure I say that correctly in public. It's easy to take these cheap shots at this thing called the church and not even know what we're talking about. That when you slam the church or when you give up on the church, you're giving up on what Jesus came to this earth to die for, for you and for me. The church has God designed it. He also prayed for some other things. Look at verse 19. I'm also praying, he said, that you would experience the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. He put him far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So Paul said this, God needs to open the eyes of our heart to understand who we are in Christ. We are the church, the called out ones. 
and we have the power. He also says that God would show you his surpassing power, that power that lives in you. Part of the problem with why the church hasn't been the church that we need to be is because we haven't been living in that great power. We've been living in our flesh and we've been confusing, a confusing testimony to a world that desperately needs to see a holy God. So he says, I'm praying that you would see your calling, that you would see his great power, and that you would see the Christ who lives in you. Look at this, verse 22. For it was Christ, and that God put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God's design in the church was not to be a building, not to be a place that you attend or something you do on Sunday mornings, and that's become the problem. Over the centuries, we have declared, well, we'll we'll go plant a church. We're going to build a church. This church used to be located at over close to 40th and MacArthur. And in 1998, we relocated out here, and they built this new building. They had a whole new campaign about, let's go build a new church. And so this word church became synonymous with buildings and in the bible belt we've done it more than anywhere else on the planet there are churches everywhere have you noticed this i'm not talking about the fried chicken i'm talking about places like pcbc there are churches on every corner and that's what we equate to the word church a building or a place we go as a result we forget who we were called to be We were called to be the church, the body of Christ, his bride, the people of God. So turn over to Acts chapter 2 real quickly. Acts chapter 2, you know, Jesus said in Matthew, I will build my church. We build churches, Jesus builds his church. There's a difference. We can build buildings and they can be full of people but empty of the spirit of God. But God builds his church, and who's the church? You, who are called of God. He will build your life. He will perfect your life if you'll let him. That's the church. So watch the church be birthed in Acts chapter 2. As God promised, he would build his church, and he would use a preacher by the, guy, by the name of, a guy by the name of Peter. Now, if you know much about Peter, Peter was a great disappointment to a lot of people. He was a great disappointment to the Lord Jesus himself. He claimed to be the strongest Christian on the planet. He confessed that to Jesus, said, there's nobody who loves you more than I do. And there was nobody who denied him any more than than Peter did. He's famous for those three denials. And Jesus warned him, you're going to deny me three times. He was a great disappointment. Can I tell you that if you spend any time with even those who've been called out of their sin, anytime you spend any time with a human, they're going to disappoint you. It's going to happen. And Satan can use that disappointment to make you disillusioned and to unplug you from God's design, or you can let God continue to build you, his church. Acts chapter 2, verse 37, he's building Peter, and he's going to call out others through Peter. Take a look at it, verse 37. He's preached his guts out. He's gone from denying Christ to preaching Christ. And it says, when they heard this, they were all pierced to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, you need to repent. 
Repentance is leaving where you are in your sin, being called out of that and being called to Christ. He says you need to repent. You need to get rid of the old life and receive a new life. And as you do that, as you are saved, you take a step of obedience called baptism. Baptism doesn't save you, but it's something we do because we are saved. I wear a wedding ring on my finger. It doesn't make me married, but it's a picture that I've been married. And when I said I do to Cami, I put on the symbol. When I said I do to Christ, the first thing I did was I put on the wedding ring, if you will, of baptism. There's some of you from last week at camp, that's going to be a step for you. And I know Braden's working on a special July 31st baptism Sunday. As we add those into the church, those who've repented and been saved. He goes on and says, and after you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, you will see the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you, your children, and for all who are far off. As many as the Lord will call to himself. There's the church. The church is not a denomination. The church are those who have been called to God himself. He went on to say, and with many other words, we saw him testify and he kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received this word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. So from the very beginning, as God would bring salvation through Christ to this earth, he would build his church. The church belongs to the Lord. You are the church if you know Christ. If you've been called out of your sin, you are the church. The church doesn't belong to the preacher. The church doesn't belong to the deacons. The church doesn't belong to a power group of people. The church belongs to Christ, the one who loved the church so much he laid down his life for you and for me. That's the church. Look at verse 46. And as this church was birthed, these believers that were being called out of their sin, it says, day after day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple, and they were breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number, day after day after day, those who were being saved. So as we look in on Acts chapter 2, we find Jesus building his church, building people that once were lost in their sin and were now being called to a holy Savior, the Lord Jesus. So what does that mean for you and me? Well, the question is this, are you or are you not the church? You say, well, I've been to Falls Creek, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. That doesn't necessarily mean you're the church. The church, remember, is the community of true believers, those who've been called out of their sin and called to Christ. There are people sitting in little C's, churches all over this country and this world that are not a part of the big C, the church. Let me show it to you. Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Very quickly, and we're almost done. And I'm going to let you out of church. Here we go. 1 John 2, verse 19. John had to deal with some confusion because there were some people that looked like Christians. There were some people that were showing up to the little C, the community of faith, and they got into some weird doctrine and they ended up just spiraling out of control, teaching false doctrine and becoming a problem. And people were confused and said, whoa, whoa, I thought they were our brother, our sister. Listen to what John says. They went out from us. 
They were not really of us, for if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out. What John was saying is there can be people who attend church that aren't a part of the church. I'm not trying to confuse anybody here this morning, but what I want to say to you is this. The church is not a role in a denomination that you join. The church is the body of Christ that is called out from its sin and called to be a part of him. That's the church. And John was telling them, hey, there will be some people that may sit in church with you, little c, but they're not a part of the big C. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19 says this, Paul to Timothy said, Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal, that the Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows. We may not know. We may not get it. But the church are those who know him, and he knows them. Question for you. Are you the church? 